Motown Rundown. Welcome in. Welcome back. Um, before we get moving here, I, o- I always do this at the end of the show, and I hate to start off hot. If you're listening to the podcast right now, whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Go click the follow button, subscribe, whatever you have to do to the podcast. We are also on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown, and we have a Facebook page. And I say that up front, and I'm sorry if you're driving in the car, going to work at 6 o'clock in the morning during the week, and you're hearing me get animated off the bat. Just do it. It's free. We don't ask for much. We come on here. We provide content, whether it's good or not, I guess is yet to be decided. We really but help we, us we, out. We, we really don't ask for anything. So this is the only thing we've ever asked. You're right, Trent. Trent's yeah. got to feed his family. Trent has a family to feed. So subscribe to the podcast, like it, whatever. Leave us a rating if it's five stars. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. That's that's my word. And that's to the kids too. Any kids out there listening, you take that with you for the rest of your life. So now that we're uh, we're off we're off and running here, gentlemen, it's good to see your faces. How are we doing? Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I was telling Collins before the show started, my job is on a two-week hiatus right now. We get like a little vacation two-week thing in the middle of the What summer. happened? The, all the preschoolers are going out of town? Yeah, they get their they get their midsummer school vacation. Spring break, so, sp- spring break in Punta Cana. All the preschoolers are headed down. I yes, like it. They're all they're all gonna go down and yuck some Shirley Temples. So that so we're here and I'm just I've been bouncing back and forth, cottage in Ludington, East Lansing a little bit. It's been fun. But Collins, how are you? I'm I'm great. I'm just watching like the after the golf channel thing, watching Bryson DeChambeau just complain about his club, about his driver, and I literally I just want to throw my tablet at the freaking TV. He's such a loser. He is such right. a loser. What did he say? Can you paraphrase what he said about his club? Because I he basically it. said his driver sucks, which is funny. I I don't have a problem with that, but like. I don't know. He's just so it, – it's a new thing with him like every other week. He's so annoying. I don't know. Well, I will say like, – Buddy, you signed with Cobra. What did you expect? Yeah. Okay. Like, First I, of all, I, no, I, no. They're paying you millions of dollars. Slow what? down. I'm a Cobra guy myself. That's why I wanted to jump in. I do have a Cobra driver, and I use a Cobra three-wood. I'm hashtag Team Cobra. To an extent, you know, I got to give Bryson credit because I don't hit the ball in the fairway all that often. So if he's having problems with the club, then clearly it's something wrong with the club. So I give Dude, them the no, but to, like they have good drivers too. It's not, even, I know. I, to, it's not like he's playing Wilson staffs. Okay. Okay. Enough like, with the slander of the Wilson staff. They got good. Wait, stuff. Do you have Wilson staff irons? No, I don't. I have ping irons. Team ping. Okay. Hashtag team ping ping made. But, a minute, dude. I thought you were going to say, yeah, I know. Wilson no, staff I don't. Irons. I don't. But I, in all seriousness, that is like, if there's like textbook stuff that you tell kids as they're growing up, like you don't do is you like, you don't blame the equipment. You don't blame the officials. Like you have to take some ownership so that his comments, Trent essentially were just like the driver's been a problem. We're trying to fix it. Like it's been an ongoing thing and it's just frustrating. And then one of the Cobra sales reps came out and was like, this this guy's literally never happy. They're like, he's never happy. It's always something. It's like the, the way that this guy plays the game of golf off the tee is so ridiculous as it is that when yep. you're trying to match what he wants, it's already impossible. So I agree. It's like this guy, it's every dude, week. The Cobra guy is literally like, dude, you're a five-year-old kid. But he called him stupid. Up. He was like, it was like, it's just a stupid thing to say. Yeah. He's a loser. He's a loser. Dude, I like, I, and Pete, and, Bryson is good for golf. I'm not going to say Bryson's bad for golf because Bryson objectively is great for golf. Like, 
even if you like him or you don't like him, you're watching him. He's just like one of those guys. You'll root against yeah. him. You'll root for him. Like that, all for it. But like, I just will never understand the people who would say, ah, I kind of like Bryson. Um, I just don't get it. Like, yeah. because like when he plays well, he's all for like all the publicity and all this stuff. And then when he plays bad, he's like a five-year-old. He, he quits. He pulls yeah, out of tournaments. Like him not – it's not even that, like, he won't even, like, talk to, like, I'm not the whole, like, you need to talk to the media and stuff, but he did talk to the media at the Rocket Mortgage event where he was the sponsored guy, the defending champion, and he didn't talk to the media because he played bad. Like, dude, you're getting paid by Rocket Mortgage to be there. You would obviously not be at this tournament for any other reason. I don't know. He's just, I, he just bugs me. I don't know. He stinks. And I hate I how he plays golf, but whatever. I don't disagree. Um, other topics of discussion. Do you guys care about the NBA playoffs? Our sons all of a sudden, you know what? That's the one thing too, like NBA. And I always go sick league and I hate to be like that, but wow. Shocking, shocking. The Suns take two games at home and they lose the next two games. Well, dude, it's just, it's, it's just, they're trading home games. My, my one thought on dude, that last ever. night, I had my first, I had my Trent. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of you watch Ravs, but I watched the whole game. No, zero. Night, I, I had my first the NBA's red like moment Ooh. in my entire life when they did not call that foul on Devin Booker. Yeah, that he, was he, dude. Oh, he, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, Nick Wright. That, it that, was Nick, insane. Nick Wright had an exceptional tweet. He said Devin Booker just became the first player in NBA history with forty points and seven fouls. And dude, they didn't call another one too. There was a, he had like two of them that they didn't yeah. call. That's why he said seven. He had seven fouls last night, and and they weren't called. It was unbelievable. And I like he was kind of pissed off because he got a couple bad calls against him, like that PJ Tucker one, and then they they had that ball draw off PJ Tucker, but they said it was off Booker's foot. I get why he's like pissed off. It was objectively like the dumbest thing ever, and it was just I had my first moment. I was like, sports red. Like everyone was talking about like the Scott Foster Chris Ball then, but when like. Devin Booker goes up there and literally tackles Drew Holiday. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to foul him, and they don't call it because he's got five. Yeah. I, and then, I, at the same time, I'm like, this is rigged, but I love it. Yeah. Like, and then <laughs> conveniently, Giannis Anetokounmpo is there to just put it in, so it doesn't really matter, but it's like – Oh, yeah. It should have – yeah, whatever. But if, my if one the Bucks lost this- that game and say, like, Booker hit a buzzer beater, I, like, I don't know if I – the NBA would be able to live that down. That was a great game last night, though. So, so two things. I think the Bucs are going to win the championship now. I think Giannis just looks unstoppable. Him at- Trent, I thought we were Suns guys. Well, I am. I love Devin Booker, hometown kid. But I, I just oh. – I don't see it, dude. And let me tell you why. I, I, I don't – I am not – I am, as advertised, not a Chris Paul guy. And let me tell you why. You're a LeBron guy, though. Yeah, yeah. I try to like Chris Paul, dude. Trust me, I try. Because, like, he has been around forever, and he's some somewhat of a class act. But then when people call him a class act, I can't even really fully get behind that. Like, I don't – a lot of players – a lot of players don't like him. Chris Paul. Oh, he's a class act. What do you mean? That's what – well, yeah. Okay. So, let me, let me just get to this. Class I've been act. seeing on Detroit Twitter a lot of comparisons between him and Isaiah Thomas. Oh. And it – Dude, it makes me sick to my fucking stomach to listen to these people talk about Isaiah Thomas, who was the best two-way guard for probably 10 years and, and, and led this team with grit and stayed in one city and, and was the leader and the underdog in the most physical era of basketball. And people want to tell me Chris Paul is somewhat close or better than Isaiah Thomas. 
so that's my that's my only thought on that. I I just think the Bucks are going to win it all now because Giannis just looks like he's finally healthy. Chris Middleton seems to take over late, which is good because Giannis can't seem to do that. And they're just a well-oiled machine. Their one Achilles heel is definitely uh, Mike Budenholzer. Don't understand what that guy's doing half the time. But uh, that that's really my only thoughts on the NBA playoffs. I haven't been able to watch every single game yet. Um, but I did get to watch last night's game. and it was. I've, wa- I've watched everything. I'm going to say this, TV. What's it called? I know – what's it called? Le- LeBron block against Iguodala was like the best like, clutch block and defensive play in NBA history. I, if they don't, if the Bucks don't want to win the series, Giannis is his number two. That I block think, last night was disgusting, dude. I, like, I agree because here the thing LeBron's block, of course, is just it's game, yeah, it's number one, it's the clutch, one of the clutchest defensive plays of all time. But in terms of difficulty, like Giannis's was objectively better, dude. You got yeah, to, yeah, to block the shot off the lob like that and, and not foul, like LeBron. That the thing the thing that made LeBron's block insane was that he came from so far to get it. And it was and it was in the clutch. You know what I mean? So it's like that's what made LeBron's block crazy. But you know, LeBron's a freaking nature. Like he can do that in his sleep. It's just amazing that it happened in that moment. But for Giannis to actually time that, go up with Aiden after he caught it and get all ball. When it would that would have been a tying shot or yeah. potentially like an and one, go ahead, whatever, if he fouls him. Like that was just that I agree with you, Collins. That's gotta be number two. That was a stick pass by Booker, too. Like, the underhand, like, little flip. What's it called? I don't know how you, like, don't like Giannis after this series, though. Yeah. It's, like, pretty tough not to. Like, he's – he's Like, I, I can get, like – I like KD. I get why people don't like KD. I, like, I'm hot and cold on LeBron. I get why people like or don't like LeBron. I think Giannis is objectively one of the guys – it's hard not to like either way. Because he plays super hard, he's a, he seems like a super genuine guy, yep. and he's just like he's. I love a guy who is just so physically dominant and like not still. Like I love that. Like, it's like I'm actually just gonna try and go right through your chest. Like I have nothing else, and I'm gonna do this for 48 minutes. It's gritty. It's gritty for sure. I love it. So, Rabs, tell us how you feel about your sons now at this point. I would just like to see them win. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you guys and tell you that like I'm watching the NBA Finals. If it goes to a Game Seven, I will. That's that's like my NBA fandom. I I like. I pop in and I pop in and out of the Pistons, and then when it comes to the playoffs, it's like if there's a Game Seven or there's an elimination game, I, you know, I do my due diligence and I watch. I I would like to say that I watch more, but I don't. But go Suns. We're a Suns podcast for the next week or so unless they lose and in which case the Suns are dead to me so I think yesterday was one of the better NBA games one of the like the NBA is a tough product sometimes and last night like shows all the like the following the flops and stuff but last night was awesome that's like one of the best NBA games I've watched in the last like five years yep rock solid that was an awesome game one last piece of NBA before we move on uh in the spirit of Detroit Jeremy Griffin or Jeremy Griffin Jeremy Grant Ooh. is uh, entering health and safety protocol. Might not be able to travel to Tokyo. That would really suck. So, I was to him. They said he didn't test positive. I saw that. Yeah, he didn't Whatever. test positive. But that's a good. Hey, that's a good. Uh, that's a good launching pad for my question that I was supposed to write down, but I forgot about this whole Team USA basketball thing. Like losing two exhibition games. Can I ask like why people care? And I'm not. I'm not asking why people care about like Team USA or the Olympics. 
But why does it matter that they lost two exhibition games? I get like losing. I get that when you're the United States of America, you're probably supposed to win the gold medal every single year you play in the Olympics for basketball, like without question, because that just like you have the best players in the world in that sport that are American. It's just factual. So yes, you're supposed to win the gold medal every single Olympics, but you lose two exhibition games. Like why, why do people care? Because it's not the, like, I think the fact of the matter is when people watch the games, they're like, okay, this team is going to like legit struggle in the Olympics because they don't have a true point guard and they just have a bunch of scorers. And it's a really weirdly constructed team where you have basically Kevin Love on the team to give you nothing. Like, like, I don't know. It's just, everyone was like questionable raps about the way they constructed the team. And like, if they were to do it, like you could do it in a lot of different ways where you have guys who actually want to be there or like actually take it a little bit more serious, like younger guys. Like you could even like throw a Cater Mobley on the team and I think it would be more fun for some people and you'll probably get higher effort out of those guys. But um, the U.S. should never lose in Nicaraguan basketball. I mean, Nigerian basketball. I can get an Australia on an expedition game because they had some – NBA players. And I know they got Dolby, Dolby. some NBA players and Josh Akogi and Precious Ashua. But like those guys are rotational guys. You have Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, like the list. Dude, goes Kevin, Durant. Kevin Durant. Kevin, like it's KD has no business in Nigeria Ohio. in basketball. Like Kevin Durant not, has like, no business. And if they lose, even if they lost to Nigeria and they came back and just beat Australia, like whatever. Like I, I don't think anyone like. You lose two in a row, it's a little bizarre. Like, I think that's worth talking about. Yep, especially for a team that never loses. I will say this, objectively, not even as a Kevin Durant hater, he needs to play better and also probably shouldn't even be playing in the Olympics because he's injury prone. Dude, like, I don't – I don't yeah. understand why he's there. Like, no, no the high-profile guys, you, you can argue this is why, like, the Olympics have been, like, less fun to watch for Team USA, but, like, I think LeBron hasn't gone since 2012, you know, like the, the high profile guys just, it doesn't seem like they're into it anymore. So well, I don't know why called? Kevin Durant and James Harden too. Like, why is he there? He's going to get hurt. Well, Harden's gone. He's not playing because he is hurt. Okay. Well, I, I almost just said good. I'm not glad he's like, I'm not glad he's hurt, but I'm glad he can heal now and not have to yeah. worry about. So um, I, I think all the guys through the Olympic stuff were like branding and like other stuff and i I, they i'm assuming they get paid by usa basketball do they does anyone know that if you're olympian have to be getting paid oh my gosh yes they probably they're getting paid no i know i understand that but like like rabs like when you talk about olympic hockey i don't know how like they didn't get paid that much i don't think I don't, I don't think that they're, they're obviously not getting paid a ton of money. I mean, I, I, they're still getting paid money. I mean, I guess you can look at it as like, they're getting paid money from their like, sponsors. Teams. Well, I guess, yes, yeah, that, sponsors, wait, this, teams. This, uh, yeah, they that, make, you get paid for money that, off yes. of merch, but I, I mean, representing, representing your country in the Olympics is like one of those special things where I don't, I mean, I would, I tell you, I tell everyone all the time, I would play a professional sport for free right now, but. I think it's one of those things that if you care enough about it, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go play in the Olympics. It's almost like a priceless opportunity in my eyes. Yeah, uh, they do not get paid. I just looked it up. Players do not directly get paid for playing in the Olympics. Their expenses are met, and they get a per diem. There is no Yeah, sandwich. so 
they don't get paid, but they get paid and they probably make money off of their, I assume if team USA basketball is selling merch, don't you, I, I would have to think that the players get some, yeah, they get a that. cut of that. If you're like, if you're like Katie and they're selling your Jersey, yeah, they're going to try to that. Right. So there, I mean, I, I didn't mean to go down the rabbit hole of team USA basketball, but no, that's okay. I think that's, yeah, a little, I, mean, it, that... I mean, losing to Nigeria is kind of a big deal. Like Nigeria. I don't it's not like they're losing to Spain in basketball. Like it, it's an uh, exhibition. It doesn't even count. Does it not even count? It, no, Rev, you're probably right, but it's just bizarre. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Last thing I have here before we move on. Did you guys watch the MLB All-Star game? Yep. Did you, uh, Ravs? I already know you have a really just like old man take about the jerseys. I could not stand the fact that they went away from everyone wearing their individual jerseys. It wasn't okay. So, they I feel screwed like, it up. They flip flop. Yes, I feel like I feel like you asked that question with me, with you expecting me to say like I thought the jerseys were too futuristic, whatever. I think that's one of those things where MLB can't get out of their own way in general. So that's one of those moves with the actual look of the jerseys, where I'm like, okay, like it's kind of flashy. It's cool. I like how some guys had the like metallic red, white, and blue belts. Like that was awesome. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do those jerseys, they need to be worn during the home run derby. I, I the one of the coolest things about the MLB All Star Game is you have one teams wearing their road their individual teams road jerseys, so they're all the same color. They're all wearing their grays or whatever jerseys they wear on the road, and the other teams wearing their home jerseys. That's what's awesome. They didn't do the, the MLB. God, are they so such a poorly, poorly run league? I, I it, every single day, it's like something new comes out that they're trying to do, or they think they're like, oh, it's how we're gonna get the edge. It's how we're gonna bring baseball back and communicate with the younger population. It's so bad. It's so bad, and I feel terrible. And I, someone made a comment. I was listening to a, a TV show the other day, or, or a radio show, or something, and someone's like, yeah, f- football is America's pastime now. I want hundred percent agree. I want hundred percent agree yeah, because baseball just can't figure it out. So baseball's like three. It's the third pop, most popular sport in America. Yeah, I'm saying as far as when when the future generation like looks back on their they're like, oh, it's football because baseball is just they can't get out of their own way. As far as the All Star Game goes, the Home Run Derby, like I, there was a time when I was a kid when I was glued to the TV for the Home Run Derby. I just can't do it anymore. Like the Derby still plays for me. I watched. I watched the whole thing. I loved it. It was fun. Derby still plays. They need, like, I think my dad was saying they only had three out of the top ten home run hitters in it. So, like, do I care to watch Salvador Perez in the home run derby? Dude, Yeah, but it's not like like a situation with, like, the dunk contest, though, in the NBA where it's, like, literally Hamadou Diallo and Glenn Robinson the third. Yes. Good point, TV. It's better than that. Like, Otani was – okay. I I don't want to see TV. This is a rabbit hole, and we don't have to go down Must it. CTV. Stephen A. Smith, shut up talking about Otani. <laughs> so, it's just so dumb. So what are you Dude, Shohei Otani is the most exciting thing, along with Fernando Tatis. This happened to baseball since probably like 2012 or 13. Like, actually, think I, I, yeah. I, it, it blows my mind. Oh, he doesn't speak English publicly. He needs a translator. Who cares? Kids love this guy. I don't have the so numbers. Does Vladdy. So does Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Exactly. He doesn't speak English. Yes. I don't care. That's Former a great Lions point. Great point, Rabs. So it's like that That just reinforces this idea that these TV shows, like First Take and Skip and Shannon, even though I love me some Skip and Shannon, are ruining sports media. 
Because it's like, why are you saying that? Who cares what language he speaks? He rakes, he pitches, he's the best player in the world. Like, why are we worried about the fact he doesn't speak English? I don't get it. He's kind of like a character, too. Like, if you kind of follow him, he's like funny in the dugout, like all the guys I've seen love him. His interpreter's kind of a character. He's kind of funny. Have you ever, like, his his interpreter's got a funny vibe to him. I kind of like it. Well, something that Jeff Passon said, too, that, that, that I thought was interesting is, like, he speaks English, just not publicly because he's not fluent enough to like, so it's, it, it's the idea. It's, it's the ignorance of Americans who are on the side of Stephen A. Smith, which he has since apologized to be clear, but it's like, it's just the ignorance that if you're going to come over here and play in the MLB, you should know English. Not necessarily. Don't you want the best players in the world and the best product, regardless of where they're from and how tall they are and how much they weigh and what their age is. Who cares? It's a professional sport. That's it. That's my mini soapbox was, about Shohei Otani. I love I was watching, watching the home run derby. I was watching that episode of First Take when Stephen A. publicly apologized for what he said. And first of all, I didn't really hear the totes. I wasn't like that in tune of what I get the gist of what he said about Otani, which I think was just so misguided and ridiculous. Like he says, so unnecessary. It was just like ignorant. Of all, ignorant. Of all things, of all things, the I never, never once in my life have I thought like. This guy can't be an all-star. He doesn't speak English very well. Like that's right. that's baseball. As being a Tigers fan, when you got guys like Pudge and 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 Placido Polanco and Guillen and Mag, like all these guys, every time I listen to Miggy, every time I listen to a post-game press conference, they don't speak great English. Who cares? I don't care. Miggy, I like to hit. Yeah, that's all you have to say, Miggy. And you go out there and you win a triple crown, and I love you. So, but I I I I'm I've been so back and forth on Stephen A. Smith. His apology on first take was just the most like self-righteous. Like I'm such, I'm being such a big man by coming on here and apologizing. Just so ridiculous. I can't stand it. But hey, as far as the all, I think the baseball all-star game is always awesome. Pete Alonzo absolutely rakes. Joey Gallo was disappointing. Um, but I, hey, I, I, I think the home run derby is one of those things. Like you said, Collins, like for whatever, I always watch it. I always have it turned on. It's, it's the best. Like the, I love NBA All Star Weekend. I, the only reason I watch NBA All Star Weekend, though, I to be honest, is because I just love like the inside the NBA crew and like that whole vibe and like it's just it's really funny. It's it's, like, it's almost like a comedy show for half the thing, which I loved. And then I I think the NBA All Star Game has gotten way better in the past couple of years with the new like format. Like that, I think that's really good too. But like. When the All-Star game is right, and this year was kind of weird because DeGrom didn't want to go because he has some, like, shoulder issues, and you got the two best pitchers starting and stuff, and it, and it, it usually hits, like, hits all the right notes. But for, like, the jerseys and all the old man off the lawn, I, don't, I just don't know why they switched what they've been doing for, like, 30 years. Where I was so aggravated. The, so aggravated. Where you wear the All-Star jerseys during the home run derby, yep, and then you – wear your own jerseys during the game i was like what what was the point of this yeah i i and it's probably some nike thing and i like i like the whole thing that nike and like more baseball teams are like we're gonna go like all color pants like i'm kind of into that vibe and i kind of like the hats actually that they wore at the all-star game but like i don't know like i I, it just seems like you're doing too much just he and and, and like bring back the like 07 designer 
of the all-star game jerseys, like in Pittsburgh when Big Poppy is hitting them into the river. Like, those were fire. The ones at Comerica Park, those were fire. Like, the jerseys, like, are just, like, terrible. I, I, I like, they, they put no effort into it. So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's stick on the topic of baseball. We'll finally shift to Detroit sports. After all this time, we will start talking about the things that you people come here to listen to on this show, which is Detroit sports. Um, I have to take a step back here. I cannot believe that we didn't. The MLB draft came out of nowhere. Like I had my brother. I was like in the car with my brother and he's like, the MLB draft is tonight. And I'm like, what do you mean? I have situation. no clue. And I'm in tune to everything. I have every app in the world. Every My phone does not stop buzzing all day long. And all it is is sports notifications. Like, honest to God, if, if, if Mike Trout takes a dump in the clubhouse, I'm the first guy to know about it. That's how in tune I am to this stuff. I had no clue the MLB draft was going on, but it happened. And that's the first thing we will talk about on the show today. Um, Tigers had the number three overall pick. I think everyone knew that. I mean, that's one thing that I did know. They were picking number three. They go with Jackson Job, right-handed pitcher out of Oklahoma. He's a high school player. I believe he won. I don't know if it was the Gatorade player of the year or whatever player of the year he just won in Oklahoma. Um, I guess I would say before, before we dissect it, I don't know if you guys ended up watching the draft. I'm sure everyone was like at least on their phone trying to see who the, who the Tigers took. What, what were your initial reactions? If any, when, when you saw this pick come through Trent, go ahead. Why? I just didn't, I didn't get it, but I also like, I'm that guy and I'm sure we're going to get into this. I'm that guy who doesn't necessarily get too high or low on MLB prospects because it's very different. Like NFL, Penny Sewell is going to start week one. You know what I mean? Like NBA, Cade Cunningham, fingers crossed, is going to start like game one for the Pistons. You know what I mean? It's different with MLB guys because it's like we are just now seeing Matt Manning, who you selected in 2016. So I always am the guy who like sits back. I don't really care. I don't read a ton into it. But I think what you're getting at with this question, Rabs, is the approach at picking another pitcher when you have such a dire need at the infield, particularly the middle infield, you know? And so I, I, I was a little, it was a head scratcher, but I'm not sitting here like pissed off about it. I don't know, but I, I know you guys are a little more opinionated on this than I am. So I want to hear Get it after it Collins. It's just a job saving move. Like we just really like, he's the best player of it. It's so unnecessary. That is true. That is true. That, I, I will I say Collins. understand that- it. That's the best point you made is that it's just, it's buying Avila more time. It's, I just don't like, why, why do you have, and guess what? I, I can talk myself into like Jets and Joe. I'm not going to like get on him because it's not his fault that he got selected three, like good for him, whatever. Like he could be a really good player for the Tigers. When you had, when you're like, and I'm not a guy who say, oh, you need to go position of need because if you find a good player in the MLB draft, you might as well take it because there's not, like, it's such a crapshoot in MLB draft. Like, you never know. But if you're taking all these pitchers, like, what what is your plan? And I hate the idea that everyone say, oh, they're going to go sign Correa. Are they? Does Chris Illich, like have the willingness to go spend more than $10? Like, I, I, I don't think so. 
So it's just like a mind-boggling move for them to draft Job with the first pitch. And, and the fact that, like, Meyer was there. And if you – like, I, I kept up a little bit on the draft. I'm not going to say, like, I'm a draft, MLB draft expert. A couple of my buddies, like, are all into it. And, and, and But, like, the tea leaves are basically saying that the Tigers really liked that Meyer kid, that shortstop. They really liked him. And if he would have dropped – which he was not projected to drop to four for a long time that like, Hey, the tires are going to jump on it. And it seems like the Tigers just fell in love with this Job guy like a month ago. And they're like, we're just taking Job at four. doesn't matter what happens in front of us. Like I could see if Jeff lighter dropped to the Tigers, it was like, guess what? We're taking Job. Like, and, 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 and like, which is this shows how I just, I don't know. Like it was just so unnecessary. And, like, fine, you don't want to take Kumar, but, like, wh- what's the plan here? Are we trying to win, like, relatively, like, soon? And, and if we're not trying to win relatively soon, can you take a look at what this farm system is, like, has plenty of prospects in that area and which it doesn't? They have no middle infielder, like, prospects. Like, zero. It's not even shortstop or, like, you could have drafted a second base. You know what I mean? Like, they have zero middle infielder prospects in this organization. So for them, if you're going to take a picture, please take one out of college that I'm going to see in two to three years. I just, I, I, it was such a like, okay, I just don't want to get fired, which I kind of respect if I'm like a friend of Alabama. I just like, nice move there, man. Buying some time there, respect that. But if I'm a Tigers fan, like it, did, it didn't make any sense. It, it like, and the guy could still be good. I'm not like bashing that he's going to be terrible, but like, I just, like, it was just such a, weak decision and just shows the like lack of conviction that Alabama really has. Weak is a great word. Weak is a great word. Go ahead, Raps. I, um, so I was in the car on the way home from Chicago. I saw a game at Wrigley field this last weekend. Awesome experience. That's neither here nor there. Um, and, and I was fought. My buddy was following along on the draft tracker. And, and as you said, Collins, I'm not going to pretend to be one of those guys. that's like in tune to the MLB draft prospects. No, I don't watch a lot of high school baseball from Texas and Oklahoma, but when you do enough reading as time went on, it seemed like this Marcelo Meyer was going to be the number one overall pick. I wouldn't say consensus, but it seemed like every expert that you read was like, this is the guy that's going to go number one overall. I don't necessarily understand like, the catcher's going first overall, I suppose, if you know, you know, and like, and you know, I know Adley Rutschman went, went a couple years ago to Baltimore or whatever it may be. But with that being said, you see who, I don't even know who, went, I couldn't even tell you the catcher that went first. He goes one and then Leiter goes two. And I actually disagree with you, Collins. And I think that if Jack Leiter falls the three, I have to think that the Tigers probably take him. I, 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 I just, I, I, I don't know. know. I just said, they were so at that point they were I, I a logical person would do that Rabs. I'm just yep. saying like it just seems like Avila's like okay my I, we're gonna take a high schooler guy here and I, it's gonna buy me another two years yeah so I again I, I think if lighter's there you you might take him and it was kind of you know heartbreaking when he when he went number two not that it was it was an unexpected thing but just to see, like, you get to three and Myers there. And as you said, all I would read about with the Tigers is they love this kid. Like, this, like if, he, if he somehow makes his way to three, it's a sure thing. And then you go take this kid from high school. And it's like, 
in my eyes, I understand that pitching is everything. And if you can load up on arms, then you do it because pitching is, is to, to get those, these good, strong pitchers and to develop these guys. It's, it's very, very important and crucial, but there's a certain element that pitchers can be a dime a dozen. Like you can, you don't have to necessarily take a guy one, three, like the Tigers do in Job. And, and like, that's not where you need to get a serviceable arm for your bullpen. Now, it seems like Job is probably supposed to be a starter in the MLB. I mean, the guy's got a consistent mid nineties fastball and I think he touches like 99 to 18 years old. And in, yes, you know, you, you read all the, the scouting reports he's got the best slider in the draft. It's the most MLB ready slider. He's got the frame. I get that. And that's awesome. And, and Trent, you make a good point. This is not me attacking Jackson Job as a player because now that he has been picked and he's a tiger, all you have to hope for is that the guy stays healthy and his development progresses at an expected to above average rate. And then you see him in a tiger's uniform, lighting it up. Like that's, that's, that's the best case scenario. Obviously the, the problem with that, that I have at taking this kid is you look at the statistics on high school pitchers that get taken like as early as Job did, or just high school pitchers that go in the first round in general, it ain't very good as far as the projection of these kids that end up making major league baseball rosters. It's just not. So it's a very, very, very high risk, high reward, boomer bust pick in my eyes. And I suppose I don't do the scouting. So I suppose if the Tigers really believe that this kid is going to be a special can't miss talent, in a starting rotation for this team, then I suppose if, if it works out, Alavila, if he's still here in five years, which I can't imagine he will be, or whenever Jackson Joe makes his MLB debut, he'll look like a genius. With that being said, and Trent, you hit the nail on the head. This team has such a need for middle infielders. And maybe I'm crazy and maybe I'm not seeing something in the pipeline as far as, you know, maybe there's guys that they like. I know Cody Clemens, you could probably expect to see him in September. He's a mm. second baseman, maybe. But I'm just, my, my point being is that I make the comment that pitching can be a dime a dozen in the sense that you can find pitchers and pitchers can, def- like, look at the, look at some of the guys in the Tigers. Like, boy, you know what, like, you know what I mean? Like your, your Willie Peraltas and your, in your Sotos and Cisneros. It's like these guys just, come out of nowhere and you don't necessarily like, you know, with pitchers, it's like guys can come in at 26 to 28 is young is like young guys in the league and perform and be solid pieces to your pitching staff. So for me, I look at shortstop is like one of those premium positions to be the captain of your infield that you want to find a guy that can play there in the future. And it looked like Meyer to me, not that you're going to see Meyer next year, two years from now, even three years from now, but it seems like that's a guy that if you're really looking to, to, to put together a future and be able to compete, like, wouldn't you want a guy like that on your team that you can plug in eventually and, and be a bat, a kid that batted 412 in high school with like 13 homers. And again, you're playing high school baseball, so I don't get that worked up into it. But the last point that I want to make is, is what Ryan Collins had just said about, don't you want to compete sometime soon? 
I like taking the this kid from high school. You're not gonna see him for like five. I might have a family. I might be married and have kids by the time Jackson Job. St- I might take my two year old son to the game that Jackson Job wow. starts. Plan to have kids in three old. years. Well, no, not that I have any. No, no, <laughs> get after it, Ravs. Get well, after just, it. All right, all right. But I'm just saying that's my point. You take a guy like like Leader or Lighter, whatever how the fuck you say his name. I'm not necessarily like, oh, they should have taken Kumar Rocker three. I think as time went on, his stock and, and especially his last pitching performance at Vanderbilt was obviously not very good. But it's like Collins, to your point there's really no college arms, no college position. I've been here about Kumar Rocker for three years and he's available and we don't take him. Well, it's again, he drops the 10. So I think that that tells you something, but my point being is like, this is a baseball team that at some point needs to flip the switch. And I think they, they're starting to, you need to flip the switch from let's just suck and rebuild. And we're not close to, okay, here we go. We're going to start inching forward. Trent, go ahead, jump in. I want, I want to bring up a point Rabs, that you made probably a month ago when Collins <laughs> and I were sitting. No, no, I'm this, this is to your point. You Collins and I were sitting here making the case that the Detroit Tigers, we thought were, were a little closer than people thought. And that maybe next year they're finally going to flip this thing. And you said, I don't see it because there's simply not that many guys in this infield and on the team in general who, you know, like next year are going to be good and make that leap. And then all of a sudden you bring up Torkelson and Riley green and it's like, let them have time, let them get their at bats. It doesn't seem like a team that's ready to compete for a pennant. So my, to, to your point, I think that is the biggest issue with this draft. And again, I don't watch a fucking minute of, of, of high school baseball ever since my brother graduated. Haven't seen anything. So I will, I, I, I will, I will reserve the right to, to be wrong about Jackson Job. I'm sure he actually will probably turn out great. I, I've seen some stuff, and he'll be fine. The point is, it is the principle, as you have laid out, so I will not beat a dead horse here, but this team is drafting – Kids who are 18, and you would like them to maybe compete within the next half decade. So that is the frustrating thing from a fan's perspective, and I'm glad you guys brought that up because that, to me, at least just looking on you know Detroit Twitter and stuff, is the big is that that's the most frustrating thing and the most pressing issue right now is that the Tigers have been locked in this rebuild slammer, and their their best season since 2016 was actually last year in a 60 game season when they you know kind of had some excitement here there whatever. Point is, got you, you. You gotta get out of this at some point, man. It's always get these guys up. Let let us see these guys. Let us see their at bats. Let give them some starts. Give them some innings. And it just never, it never materializes because we're we're literally still at that point right now, halfway through this season. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean when I say like I it, it just would have been nice to see a guy that they take out of college who's like yeah you know he he's not obviously going to be up this year. You might not see him next year, but you know, by the time this team's in getting in the playoffs and is, is playing into October, like this is a guy that you can have in your lineup. Serious. I mean, I just, again, I, I don't, and, and yes, do we have Riley green and Torkelson and Dingler in the works? Of course. And that's, those are all positive things to see, but I just think like the shortstop position, if you're really going to try to roll out this, like, 
carousel of Willie Castro and Zach Short and, and Nico Goodrum every single day. And who knows? Are they going to surprise some people and go out and get a Trevor Story or a Carlos Correa in free agency? Maybe, but it's like, I think Marcelo Meyer, it sounded like that was going to be the guy because of how much the Tigers liked him. He falls from number one to then number two. Now he's with you at number three. And like every everything I read as far as like the grades for for the Tigers is like, yeah, their 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 first over their first round pick was like a C, C B minus pick as opposed to like an A. Like the Red Sox get an A for taking Marcelo Meyer because it was that easy. So they're, they're just the just the long history of risk that just comes with, with drafting a high school righty. And when you draft them that early, it's just like, it's just such a head scratcher. Now to my, to the last thing that I care to say here about this draft. And I told you guys this maybe as soon as last year, and this might be kind of the thing that solidified it for me in my head was at a certain point, all these, some of these pitching prospects are going to have to move. And I think when you see this draft, and of course, you're not as bad as the Angels who took 20 of 20 pitchers with their draft picks, which if I was a fan of the Angels, I, I don't I think I'd probably leave my jersey at the steps of the stadium because that to me just makes absolutely zero sense. But when you draft as many in the Tigers had, gosh, I feel it feels like like 14 out of the 20 were pitchers. And and that's all fine, I, I suppose, but at a certain point, like you only have so many spots that you can fill on a roster. So I don't know if this gigantic hall of pitchers is a way to say, Hey, there's some of these guys that are sitting in our system that we think have trade value as pitchers. And sooner than later, they're going to get moved to help us elsewhere. And if that means a Frankie Perez or an Alex Fiedo, you already cut Bo Burrows. It, Oh, that brings me to my, I want to talk about Joe Jimenez, Trent. Don't let me forget. But, but you, 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 you know, you, these, these guys that we've been waiting on, you know, you're even like your Alex Lang or your, your Ian Kroll or your Joey Wentz. It's like Dude, Ian Kroll. If I see him in a Tigers uniform again, I will not watch. Well, I guess at a certain point you're, you're he going to have to like 2014. It took, it took Ian Kroll. I think, what was it? 25 pitches to get two outs. And I threw up in my mouth. Go ahead, Rabs. Well, I'm just saying at a certain point, it's maybe that's the, maybe that's the idea. And I know like, oh, the Astros loaded up on pitching too. And they great, fantastic. But at a certain point, I I guess we might see some of these guys in our system go. I, that just, that's, that's just what this sounds like to me. Like they're going to, they're, they're reloading with pitching and they're going to get the pitching depth. Cause that's all we've heard about the Tigers is all oh, they're pitching, they're pitching, they're pitching prospects. Well, I got news for you. If some of these fucking pitching prospects can't speed it up a little, speed it up and get up here, then you're going to be moved or at least you should. Well, I just told Frankie you. Frankie Perez, Alex Fiedo. Where are these guys? They all in Fiedo. Fiedo and Perez are both injured. They're both out for a year and a half. They're always hurt. That's what I'm saying, Rebs. That's what I agree with you. You're going to have to move from these guys. Manning. Move Manning. He's not that good. I really don't think that Manning's good. 
Well, I mean, look, he just got his first start two weeks ago. I don't so care. I, no, I, I, I get it. Yeah, come on, Collins. Hey, Give Collins. him a break. It's only been five years since they fucking drafted no, the no, guy. No, listen, he listen, he listen. Even, he can't even pitch in Triple A, so, but he's our guy. Here so, he is. Let's listen. give him some more time. He has two pitches. He's a starting pitcher. I don't know what we're doing in our – our farm system it's a yeah chris better taught him a slider in two weeks like what were we doing collins i I will never i will never and rabs for that matter i will never question your guys baseball knowledge because as two guys who played the game i get it i am never that's like i played at like the mov level i love that okay i had a cup of coffee with the orioles in like oh four yeah what i'm saying is i literally never play baseball okay but i'm a fan of the game and i love my tigers what i'm gonna say is like all, I'm not defending Matt Manning from a baseball perspective. Perspective, I guess what I'm saying at this point for a team that's seven, eight, nine, ten games under 500, and he just had his second start. I just we got to at least see a little more to give him a chance. I guess Tarek Skubal wasn't great until his third or fourth start. Casey Mize wasn't great until his third or fourth start. So I guess it's just like counts. Yeah, I, get, could, I get what you're saying. I, I just disagree, Trent. I, I'm not. You could like see the stuff though. I just I don't like. I don't think Manning has good stuff. And that's really fair. Don't. That that's fair. See, like I I I like, there's agree. more command issues with Scooble. And but like I'll give Manny credit, like for how much I don't like his stuff. He has like not been that bad. Like he really hasn't been. I, I'm like I, I I'm like giving him a lot of shit, but like he hasn't been that bad. He really hasn't. He's been pretty solid, actually, for a guy who was not good in triple A. Like he wasn't good in triple A, and they had Tigers had to throw him up here because they have so much injuries. So um, I, I mean, whatever. I, I, Rabs, I agree with you. They're gonna move some of this pitching. I yeah, just, you just, you just kind of have. I mean, you have to. Well, at this well, point. I. The thing about it is, like, they're gonna. I, my brother was texting me this. He said they gotta move Turnbull. They gotta move Boyd. They're, they're gonna move all these guys now. Like, you know what I mean? Which I disagree with. Like, I, w- I would like to keep Boyd. I'm not, not, not Boyd. I would like to team Turnbull. You know what I mean? Well, like, but like trading i mean drafting another like pitcher and they only i think they only drafted like one position player in the first like five rounds yeah the like just one shortstop who i everything i read is you can't play really shortstop have, yeah he doesn't have defensive potential at short like okay awesome sweet great for a team that stinks defensively so yes to your point collins i boyd turnbull names that which i i don't want to, why do people like yeah like, no, hey, dude, i turnbull. agree there's no there's i don't think there's any reason to trade turnbull because that's a guy who's can who's shown you that there's at least some consistency there that you can stick him in a good pitching rotation he's your fourth or fifth day starter no dude and, he was good this year i know but he's hurt he's he's hurt Boyd was hurt or he is hurt. Like your ship is sailed on Matt Boyd. I'm sorry. He's banged No, up I agree. Now. I think everyone agrees with that. Boyd is a, a, a good fifth starter or fourth starter. Sure. I look here. This is the last thing I care to talk about with the Tigers. And this just came off the heels of whatever one of the last games were before the all-star break and Joe Jimenez out of like a three run home run or whatever, whatever Trent, Trent, you probably know what you were watching that game. Weren't you? Whatever, whatever what yes, was the game dude. when I texted you that I need Jimenez. I want him gone. Joe, it, it was, it was the game. Was it the last one before the, yes. So the Tigers were up, I believe two zero, then three to two. Then they're down eight to five. Then Jake Rogers, yes, unreal, yes, hits a grand yeah. slam to put him up nine eight. Yep. And Joe Jimenez yeah. comes in, 
and loads the fucking bases. And then our all-star Greg Soto comes in and gives up a hit. And I really don't even care. I'm not blaming that guy. He shouldn't have been an all-star. It's a dumb rule that the MLB has to have every team represented. Neither here nor there. I still like Greg Soto. It's, it's Jimenez loading the bases. Then, then over the top, Rabs, I got, who was it? Who even, who the fuck was it? Was it Ian Kroll comes in? And then Derek Holland? I, I don't remember. Yes, it doesn't Holland. matter. It was Holland. It was it, Holland. It was Holland. It does not matter. Derek Holland has not had a single good inning as a Detroit Tiger. I, I got nothing. Rabs go. Well, this, so, so this was, this was my whole thing. I mentioned the name Bo Burrows and I, my, the, the, the only thing I wanted to mention with that and why, why I said, when I said his name that I had this like idea, Bo Burrows gets cut from this team after like, this was what his second season pitching in major league baseball and he's a reliever. So you only see him for a handful amount of times and you DFA him and then you end up losing him. Like again, Bo Burrows, another guy for all these years, little Ryan as a kid. Oh, Bo Burrows, the Tigers drafted Bo Burrows. He's going to be an arm one day. He's going to be a piece of this team. I've been watching Joe Jimenez try to pitch on this team for like 10 years. So my question is, of all guys in the world, of all players that they have in this organization, that's the guy you cut is Bo Burrows, who's had who's had a cup of coffee with this team in the bullpen, the, his rookie year coming with the COVID shortened, whatever, and that's it. He's gone. But let's give Joe two more years because he might figure it out because he throws hard. Give me a break. Let me let me say this, Rabs, and I I agree Horrible. with you, Rabs. I agree with you to the move, move on to Saturn to Pluto I and back. Agree, dude. I, this no, is a dead horse. We all. That, this is just the last thing I want to say. And I, I thought of this like on whatever day it was, the all-star game was Joe Jimenez. If you, if you look up Joe Jimenez, you do a little Google search. The only thing that comes up for his career accolades is that he was an all-star in 2018 or 19. So that's my point with this, with this MLB bullshit as Greg Soto gave up a home run when he came into the, whatever. I, it's a dumb rule. I don't think every team needs to be represented. And, Rabs, that goes with something you were saying earlier about how the MLB can't seem to get in, out of their own way. The Tigers factually don't have any all-stars. And I like Greg Soto. I've been on that train since last year. I always jokingly usually say that Greg Soto's my Tiger. But, like, if you, if you, if you have to be represented, I get it. You're probably going to pick a reliever, and it is what it is. Dumb rule. Change it. Greg Solo's not an all-star. Neither was Joe Jimenez. That's okay, all. That's, fine. I'm that's, fine with that. Whatever. That's all I got for the Tigers. Um, obviously, the all-star break is now over. They have a big weekend coming up. I know there's like that baseball bash or whatever's going on in Comerica Park on Saturday. So, um, Twins are in town again, aren't they? Isn't that the deal? I believe so. Well, cool. So, that's that. Jackson Jobs, after <laughs> – after all of this, he's probably listening to all these Detroit podcasts trying to get his wits about him. He's got, we're not, it's not your fault, Jackson. It's not your fault. I wish you the best. I, I, I can't yeah, wait to welcome, bring, welcome to Detroit, Jackson. Welcome. I can't wait to bring my, my twin children to watch your first career start in 2032 when the Tigers Rabs, are. You got to tell us something. 
No, I don't. No, you I don't have, have a baby kids. mama right now that you're not telling anyone about. Dude, you guys know me. Of course, I don't. I absolutely <laughs> not. I'm just saying that's just my point of of what what the mindset is. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll make an effort to compete in five years when Jackson Job comes up, and so it is what it is. Um, okay, now uh, to move on here, and I guess this is our last topic for Detroit sports for the day. Um, hockey people, this is for you. You know, I come on this podcast, I stand up for you. I bring you the Red Wings talk. Here we are. So as we sit here, I don't think I mentioned the date today. We are recording on July 15th. I believe if I am correct, the lists for protected players for all NHL teams, except the Vegas Golden Knights, because they are exempt from this expansion draft. The lists of protected players are due on Saturday, the 17th. As far as players that teams will be protecting in this upcoming expansion draft that takes place on July 21st, the Seattle Kraken, welcome to the NHL, the 32nd team in NHL history. Uh, Probably not going to see an expansion draft ever again in our lives, fellas, as far as the NHL goes. So I would, I would cherish this one. There's always money to be made. This one, this one might be be it. This might be it for a while. So um, what I want to talk about today, I want to kind of get into who I think the Red Wings are going to protect, who they should protect. We can kick that around a bit. Um, there's also a couple things that I think are a bit more intriguing than who the Wings are going to be protecting. And it's looking around the league at other teams that are going to struggle with their protection list. And I will get into that um, in a little bit here. But as, as far as the Wings and who they'll be protecting, um, Basically, it comes down to this. So based on the draft rules, you are allowed to do one of two things. Um, The expansion draft rules. You can do one of two things. You can elect to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie, or you can protect eight skaters of any combination and protect one goalie. There's a lot of stipulations that come in to play as far as guys that don't have to be protected based on their age, based on their status, as far as how many years they've been in the league, um, based on if they've signed their entry level deal. There's so many different things that I don't care to get into. Um, But so you're not going to hear me say names like Joe Valeno and Philip Zadina. Those are two guys that based on their age and status and years in the league, or I guess if you're Joe Valeno years, not in the league, because he has not made his, uh, I, well, I, I mean, I, I guess you could you could say that he's made an appearance for the Red Wings, but I don't think he's officially been listed as a rookie yet. Um, that will come next year. But point being is that some of these guys don't have to be protected. Joe Valeno, Philip Zadina do not have to be protected. So um, as far as the way the Wings are going to address this, this, this protection list, I would have to imagine, as most teams do, they'll go seven forwards, they'll go 3D, they'll go one goalie. Um, and the wings are one of those teams where I think it's kind of cut and dry as far as who's getting protected versus like guys that are on the fringe. So I would tell you right now off the top of my head for seven, good players. Well, (laughs) I mean, I I could say that too. There's, and that's, I guess to, to, to your comment, there's probably not a lot of guys here that you're looking at that you're afraid to lose. And I would make the argument too, that when Vegas came in the league, the Red Wings were able to, to, to work it so well as far as who they didn't have to protect. And that's where a lot of the guys that, you know, you were like, oh, you know, like they didn't have to protect certain guys that everyone was excited about. So after your protection list comes out, it's like, oh, we lose Thomas Nosek. Like, all right. Like most people didn't even know who he was. So with that being said, 
We look at the forward group, Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin are two names that I think you will obviously have to protect. Jacob Vrana will be protected. That's three. Rasmussen is four. Robbie Fabry is five. Um, and, and now this is kind of where it gets dicey. I would have to say that the two guys that will probably be protected are Adam Murray and Giovanni Smith. You could make the argument that Evgeny Svechnikov could be protected. I honestly, I know Adam Ernie had a pretty solid year, and there was a point in time, he I believe. the team with goals? Yes, there was a point in time where he was leading the team in goals. So I, I think to that, you know, that probably earns him another couple of years here, another year or two at least. So um, the guys that I, that I left off of that list that I mentioned of the seven players – um, Franz Nielsen will be left unprotected. If the Seattle Kraken want to take Franz Nielsen, by all means, I'll pay for his plane ticket. So Franz Nielsen will be left unprotected. Richard Panic will be left unprotected. Um, and I guess the guys after that that I'm just that come to mind of guys that probably will be left unprotected too. Um, Vlad Nemestikov, Evgeny Svechnikov, and then Matthias Brome. So a circumstance to me where you're probably looking at those three guys that I just named. And if you lose one of those three, you're really probably not all that upset about it. The Mesnikov has one more year left on his deal. Um, I don't think he quite played to the level that, that we were anticipating. At least I was. And he's one of those guys that was brought over similar to how the Pistons bring a guy like, you know, Mason Plumlee over or a, a Josh Jackson, like, you know what? Let's give this guy a change of scenery. He's going to play a bit more of an elevated role. Let's see what he can do. So um, definitely not a horrible year for, for Vlad Nemesnikov, but I, I don't think that he's a guy that you're going to be losing sleep at night uh, if, if, if Seattle takes him. Matias Brome, I absolutely love the way this guy plays. He plays with a lot of grit. He's not afraid to go in the corners. I think that his playmaking ability is is – is pretty solid when he was playing in the, in the, in the Swedish league. I mean, I think he put up like 20 and 20 um, as far as goals and assists. And so, so he's showed the ability to put the puck in the net and, and distribute at the professional level, but it just wasn't there as far as producing on the score sheet. When it came to the NHL, he was sent down to the AHL for a bit of time. Um, I would like to see the wings bring him back for another year just to see how he can play in the bottom, in the bottom six and see if he can get some more production out of him. Um, but for a guy that's only been on your team for one year and couldn't even stick around the entire year to play. Um, I, 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 I don't know what Seattle's interest would be in a guy like that. Evgeny Svechnikov, if I had to bet, if I had to bet, I would say Evgeny Svechnikov is the guy that will be taken by the Seattle Kraken, I, not to jump the gun, but I would say between him and Troy Stetcher, those are the two guys that I would look at. Sveshnikov obviously had the ACL injury a couple of years ago and just quite hasn't really been the same since. In flashes, I thought he looked really good. Um, he's got some goal, goal scoring ability too. He's got a really nice wrist shot um, that I, I think that the Red Wings could definitely use as far as being a depth forward that, that they can plug into the middle six. Bottom six is probably more likely for him. Um, and, and a guy to me who obviously his brother absolutely lights it up for Carolina. And I, in coming into the league, Andre Svechnikov was much more highly touted than Evgeny was. Um, but with that being said, it just, you know, it, I, I wish that the story would have played out a bit differently for him. Uh, I would have to imagine as a guy who's on, um, I believe he might be on an expiring deal. Um, I would like to see the Red Wings bring him back, but it's at a certain point you kind of have to look at things and go, okay, you know, his, 
he's not getting any younger and you haven't really been able to play him for a full year yet. I know they tried to a bit last year. So would be more than happy if, if he were to come back and, and get a second, I shouldn't say second chance because he's been here for a bit, but to get another crack at, at the NHL with the wings. So that would be nice to see, but that's a guy that I could see Seattle taking change of scenery. You plug him on the third, fourth line and see what he can do. And I, I think that that might be good for him as a player, which would be, which would be awesome to see. Um, as far as the defensemen go, as I said, if you go seven forwards, three D, which I think they will do pretty easy to me. Philip Ronick obviously will be protected back to my point. Originally more excited does not have to be protected because he has not played an NHL game yet. So my three defensemen would be Dennis Chalowski, Philip Ronick and Gustav Lidstrom. Um, obviously the two guys I named in Lidstrom and Chalowski are two of your guys that are probably turning the corner of, you know, no longer being prospects and, and guys that you're going to hope that are going to be in your lineup every single night next year. So as far as guys that were left unprotected that are still around, Christian Jews, as we already said, is going to play overseas next year. So he's out. So if Seattle wants to take him, by all means, but he's not playing in the NHL, I'll tell you that for sure. Um, Danny DeKaiser with his contract, his age, I just don't see it happening at all. Um, so that's where it comes down to Troy Stetcher. I think that, you know, Stetcher is – you could label him as having is, is being a veteran that you could potentially bring into that blue line in Seattle and, and play in your second, third pair. I, I, I expected a little bit more out of Troy Stetcher this year, but for a, a team that was so bad defensively, you know, as they, as they usually are. Um, and just as the unit just obviously didn't really click um, from the defensive side of things. So you can't really blame him for his lack of consistency, but that could be a guy that I see Seattle taking, um, and then as far as goalies go, um, I, I, I believe because of the fact that, see, I, I'd have to read, I'd have to reread the rules as far as I believe that you can still take a guy that's an unrestricted free agent, maybe, but it's just a risky game, obviously, because they don't have to sign with you. Um, but with that being said, Thomas Grice will be protected by the Red Wings. I, I would 99% sure of that just because, uh, Jonathan Bernier is on an expiring deal. So, whether or not the wings bring him back for one more year just to sure up the goaltending is up in the air. Um, and the only really available guy that is left for the, for the wings is Caden Fulcher. Who's your only other goalie. Who? that? Caden Fulcher. No clue that guy was on the red ones. Well, he's, he's that's he's, that, uh, half my describes. Do you care about anyone like getting plucked off this team? Hmm. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Like, Kov, it's pretty locked in. I feel like unless they do something like crazy and leave Bertuzzi unprotected or something like. No, they won't. Yeah, they I won't. know. I know. they. Won't. I mean, I, I just look. So I guess I guess to, I won't continue to just. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't even know half the guys you're talking about. Like, well, <laughs> so guys, guys that will be will be unrestricted free agents. Riley Barber, Jonathan Bernier, Kyle Criscuolo, Valtteri Filippula, who will be gone. Gagne will be gone. Glenn Denning, I would like to see Luke Glenn Denning come back for a couple more years and play on that fourth line center role, which he's so good at. Such a great penalty killer. Darren Helm, I would think, is gone. Joe Hickett's gone. Taro Hirose, they'll probably bring back. Dylan McElrath, gone. Calvin Picard, gone. Bobby Ryan, gone. Mark Stahl, gone. Dominic Turgeon, probably gone. So um, that's it. That's that as far as – and that, that's what I mean, Collins, when I said, like, you know, we, we talked before the show, like, we can kick around who we want to keep, who – we don't care. Like there's just, this is it. Like, I, I think it's pretty set in stone besides the couple guys I mentioned that might be borderline. Like, do you protect the Giovanni Smith over Vlad Domestikov? 
um, or an Evgeny Svechnikov? And the answer to that is probably yes, you do protect a guy like that. So to answer your question, I would say the one guy that I would be upset if, if you could, if you saw left would be Svechnikov. And I think that is, there's a very high chance that, that he gets taken. So um, I guess that's uh, that's that as far as the expansion draft. Um, and, and again, to, to reiterate, that expansion draft is going to be on July 21st. We will have an episode come out between that date and July 23rd, which is the NHL entry draft. So we will have uh, reactions to who gets taken off of the wings. We will talk about draft prospects and who the wings might take on that July 23rd. Um, but before we move on for the day, there's a couple things that I want to, that I want to put out on the airwaves here that I would like to try to speak into existence that I, that I think needs to be discussed before um, this expansion draft, because you have to understand there, there are a lot of teams that are in way worse positions when it comes to this expansion draft than the Red Wings. And what I mean by that is, you know, team teams, for example, like the Washington Capitals. And I, and I bring that, I bring that up because that's a team that's going to get to protect one goalie. They obviously won't protect Henrik Lundqvist because he's older and in Seattle, I think would be foolish to take a guy that didn't even play in the NHL last year because of health problems. So the Washington Capitals are looking at a situation where they have two goalies and Vanasek and Sam Sonoff who are two young goalies who played really, really, really well last year, but both of them are not exempt or neither of them are exempt from um, not being protected in the upcoming expansion draft. So I look at a team like Washington and this was something that I read a little bit about, and this is not an original idea that came from me, but that I was really intrigued by as far as that being a team, the Red Wings could target and trade talks and go say, Hey, the list comes out for the Washington Capitals. I would have to, I would have to imagine that Elias Simsonov is the guy that they protect. Um, one of them's 26, Vanasek being the other one. One of them's 26, one of them's 24. I don't know which one's which. I'd have to look that back up. But whatever guy doesn't get protected from Washington, now Washington is looking at a young, very good goalie with a high ceiling to potentially get plucked off that team for absolutely nothing. If I'm Steve Eiserman and you know you need goaltending, and you're probably not all that sure of what you have in the ranks as, as far as your, your minor league system. I pick up the phone if I'm Steve Eiserman, and I make the phone call to Washington, and I go, hey, whatever guy you left unprotected, which is probably Vanasek, do you really want to lose him for free to Seattle? And it's oh, just too bad the Wings don't have too, that many draft picks wrong they have all the draft picks you send over a draft pick you get Vanasek, and now we're moving so that's like what i'm that, talking Rash. about that's so so that's a situation and there's plenty of situations around the league where these teams are going to get in trouble with 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 trying to protect certain guys and leaving certain guys unprotected and that's where it gets really really sexy for a team like the Red wings to jump in and go hey we heard you can't protect this guy why don't you send them over to us for a third round pick? Cause we have eight of them in this next draft. We'll take them off your hands. And at least instead of losing him for nothing, you're getting a draft pick coming back. So with that being said too, I also look at a team like the Tampa Bay lightning and for whatever reason, this city, whether it comes from, you know, the, the lions doing deals with the Patriots with Patricia and Quinn or the lions doing deals with the Rams. When you bring over Brad Holmes, 
uh, all, all these, you know, all, all these things that, that come about for whatever reason with the Detroit sports of like going back to the well, if you come over here to Detroit, you know, go back and trade with your old team, whatever. The Tampa Bay Lightning are a very, very interesting case to look at this offseason. The reason being is everyone knows it was talked about all Stanley Cup playoffs long about how the Lightning, quote unquote, cheated the cap by putting Kucherov on long term IR and they were whatever, eight to 18, whatever million dollars over the cap they ended up being come playoff time when everything gets washed out the window and exempt. Now, unfortunately for the Lightning, they are not going to have the luxury of doing that again this year with a completely healthy roster. So for a team that is going to be very tied up in cap space, they are in a position to where they have to make some really tough decisions on who's coming back and who's not. So I present to you this case. And this was something that was somewhat of an original thought. And the only reason why I, I was thinking this is because Tyler Johnson is a name that consistently came up when, on, on Twitter and whatnot. And just remembering how, you know, Tyler Johnson is one of the staple guys for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He ended up, you know, his production has fallen off a little bit. He's making $5 million. I don't know. He might have a year or two left on his deal with Tampa Bay. But that's a guy that was eating bottom six minutes and he was doing it well because that's this the kind of game that he plays. But for the Tampa Bay Lightning is a team that's gotta that's gotta re-sign some players and they need cap space bad. Just to, not even to, to bring guys back, but just to be under the cap for this next year. Tyler Johnson is a name that I really, really believe is going to get moved by Tampa Bay this offseason in whatever way they can. And many people, and I'd probably be included in this for sure, look at Tyler Johnson's contract as a contract that has not aged well. Well, I know a team that is more than willing to take on contracts that have not aged well in exchange for some assets. So I propose to you, and one of my least favorite players to ever play in the league because he used to kill the Red Wings and I couldn't stand it, that little fuck, Tyler Johnson, is going to be your Red Wing. I am telling you right now, I have no, I have no sources. I have no credibility. I just can see it happening. Steve Eiserman picks up the phone and calls Julian Breezewell and goes, Hey man, we know you got cat problems. We know you're looking to get rid of Tyler Johnson. We're going to take him, but you're going to give us a draft pick or you're going to get a player. And two players that I have, you know, you kind of look around and see, and this just goes back to who's getting protected, who's not getting protected on that team. Eric Cernak, Cal foot, Eric Cernak played. I think he's Eric Cernak scored a very big goal in one of the Stanley cup games to like break it open and, and put the put the lightning ahead, like one, nothing. I'm trying to think of what game that was. It might've been the game that they lost in overtime. The one game they dropped in that series. Um, but Eric Cernak's 24 years old, very serviceable defenseman that can play in probably your top four. I would say on a, on a really good team like the Lightning, he's a top six defenseman. So that's a guy that could come over and taking on Tyler Johnson's contract or Cal Foote. Cal Foote, I believe, is a restricted free agent after this year. Adam Foote's son, little little connection there with the old uh, Colorado Avalanche rivalry. Thank you very much. Um, so I could see something like that being worked out to where it's like, Hey, we're going to take on Tyler Johnson's deal. We're going to need a draft pick and, or, you know, we, we want player X because again, why would you want, if you're the lightning, you're unloading Tyler Johnson to give yourself cap room. Why would you sit here and lose a guy like Eric Cernak for free when you can 
get a, you know, get a draft pick back. And the Wings have plenty of draft picks to burn. So do not be surprised if the if the Detroit Red Wings jump in the mix with the Tyler Anderson, the Tyler Johnson. I say sweeps sweeps takes ironically. I don't actually mean that, but I could see the Red Wings being a team that makes that phone call and says, "Hey, we'll take him on, but we need an asset." And I would love to see a guy like Cal Foot come over, who I think has a pretty solid pretty solid upside and just hasn't been able to have a chance to crack that Tampa Bay Lightning roster because of how good they have been. So that would be awesome. He's 22 years old. The last thing I will say here, and this is like an unbelievable pipe dream. And I know that I don't know if there has been an offer sheet made in the NHL since the Shea Weber thing, where I think Philly, I, this, this might be ridiculous. I thought Philly offered like 12 or 13 years at some way, like a hundred million dollars, something ridiculous to Shea Weber. That happened years ago, years ago when he was still on the predators, but Cal McCarr, for the Colorado Avalanche is an un, is a restricted free agent after this year. If I'm the Red Wings and I'm Steve Eiserman, this is the way that you reignite the Colorado Avalanche rivalry with the Detroit Red Wings. You call Joe Sackick and you go, "Hey buddy, your boy Cal McCarr who if he was healthy this entire year probably would have won the Calder for rookie of the year this year. The guy that's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, the guy that's been referred to as Connor McDavid on defense because of how good his skating is. I'm picking up the phone and I'm going, I'm offering Cal McCarr eight years for $12 million. But guess what? It won't happen. Match the sheet, bitch. And then we they don't that- do that. That's why the NHL, the whole offer sheet thing's stupid because everyone's talking about like, what is it, Barzell this year? Who's our shit? That was like last year. But yeah. About but no one that. does it. It's so stupid. Like if you're like, if you have money, I don't understand why you wouldn't go after like an offer sheet. Make the team pay more. They're your competitor. It's so dumb. Well, you don't see it in the NBA a lot either. But that's that's what it that's where it comes down to the fact that it it's obviously as you said, which is like it's stupid because it seems like why wouldn't you? But it has to do with like obviously, dude. If the if the Red Wings offer sheet Cal McCarr and 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 drive that price to a point where Colorado can't match, talk about some animosity. Like that's that's well, I, I mean yeah, but the, the, like there's no scenario where they don't match McCarr. That's the whole point. That I like your point where it's like like fuck you we're gonna make you pay more i i'm i'm telling you right now and i was talking to my buddy about this today i believe eric carlson is the highest paid defenseman in the league at like 11 and a half 11 7 drew dowdy makes like 11 i'm telling cal mccarr like hey it's the detroit red wings we're gonna offer you eight years and make you the high Highest paid defenseman in the league at twelve million dollars. You don't think Cal McCarr signs his name on that? Well, they're gonna match it though. Well, (laughs) okay, but hang on. So then you put the Abs in a spot where it's like, okay, do we? And Cal McCarr, if he stays with the Abs and he obviously doesn't get an offer sheet, which he probably won't. It's just a pipe dream. I could see him signing for anywhere from like eight and a half to like nine and a half. Like he's that good to where I think that he's gonna get his money. But like. Like, like I said, and like you're, you know, you're hitting on Colin. That's like, hey, you tell the abs, you want Kale McCarr, you're going to have to pay about $3 million more a year than you wanted to. Because if you don't, if you don't sign this kid, if you don't match this offer sheet, we're taking them. And then the reason why the wings can do that too, is because they have the draft capital to give up to make that offer sheet happen. I believe at least in my brain, because they have so many picks, you have picks to give up as compensatory, uh, a draft pick for, for, for that offer sheet. 
So in my eyes, I'm like, shit, you go do that. And then if they want to sign Cal McCarr and match the offer sheet, which they should, good luck re-signing Brandon Saad and good luck re-signing Gabriel Landeskog, both. So now, boom, rivalries reignited. They have to lose Landeskog to the Blues because they don't, they can't afford to re-sign him. He's bitter because he thought the deal should have been done eight months ago, which I get it. And now we're moving. Now we got Cal McCarr and we're winning the Stanley Cup. Okay, Tony D. <laughs> my man. I love Tony D. No arch- shot at Tony D, but my arch nemesis, Tony Dombrowski. Hey, but that's all I on. got. We're Tony D pod. Stop. That's all I got. I was just rambling on the wings. That's just what I do. I get excited. It's not organized, but it is what it is. That's uh I respect it. I don't know. The red ones, I mean, still very uninteresting. You guys, you guys get visibly, visibly bored. Well, like I mean, I team. when I don't know half the guys on the team, Rams, it's kind of hard for well, me to chime in. My, whose fault is that? Not mine. <laughs> I like hockey. It's not like I don't like hockey. I, I would enjoy the Rochester Red Wings. They're an unwashable product right yeah. now. I just know my role on this podcast, and it is not to gum up the works on the hockey. No, but uh, yeah, nothing to nothing to. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not, I I didn't. Well, I wasn't like a Red Wings grinder last year. I don't know how their depth on like the third line was last year. Well, luckily, gonna, luckily, I don't want to audience. That's why we have Rabs. Rabs knows. Yeah, I know he does know. That's why I'm not gonna step on his toes. Correct. Well, so yeah, that's that's your expansion draft talk. I just think. As I said, once the 17th comes and all these teams have their lists in and you see who's left unprotected, I think there is going to be a lot of phone calls made around the league for these teams that are in these spots like the Capitals who are going to have a really, really nice goalie unprotected. They're not going to want to lose him for nothing. You know, so it's like, hey, if you're the Red Wings, hey, we'll ship you a second, third round pick. You you give us Vanasek. And now we're working with the goalie who's young, who still has room to improve and can actually hold his own in the net. And is going to get a chance to start versus, versus having to share the net like they have to do in Washington. And I guess that's a really not a bad problem to have if you're the Washington Capitals, but it's a, it's a reality. And then, like I said, you know, they did the same thing with the Mark Stahl contract. You take on a bad contract for one year and, and, and you, you get a draft pick in return. This is a scenario where I think you kill two birds with one stone. You take on Tyler Johnson's contract and you end up getting a player too, because like I said, the lightning are not going to want to lose one of these guys for free. So that's that offer sheet, Cal McCarr. And we go to the moon when we come back after the expansion draft, we will talk about who the Red Wings lost. If there are any trades that have been made between the 17th and 21st, we will talk about that. And we will give you a draft preview for the entry level draft on the 23rd with that i am all winged out do we have a trifecta trend do we ever of course we do we can fly through it though because we're, we're i know we're running a little late and people are yeah, you gotta go someone's gotta go i don't gotta go people are probably disgusted however i will now start america's favorite non-sports committal segment on a sports show there are sports questions but not always question number one who annoys you more, the Bears fan base or the Packers fan base? Packers, not even close. Me too. I had this discussion with one of my buddies, and he argued that it was the Bears. That's just was, an awful take. That guy's clearly never been to a Lions game agreed. when they play the Packers. And that that was my entire rebuttal. But yeah, Rabs, what do you think? Packers fan. I just, I just hate. I just, I don't. Know. I just don't like. I like. I dislike the Packers more. 
Yeah, yeah, just what Rams, have you been to a Packers game or the Lions Packers game? Maybe one. I, I went to the one and TV's had season tickets. He's been to more Lions games probably than both of us combined. But um, I've been to quite a few Lions games and I think I've been to like three Lions Packers games. The whole like super fan like uh, Packers game is some of the most unbearable people I've ever been around. Like th- like Detroit Don and super fan is like funny. Like the cheese lady who's got like a cheese suit on, like a cheese top hat, looks like Monopoly character, like in my ear, just telling me how the Panthers have all these like titles and all like Green Bay. It's like, uh, it's the home of like, I, it's it, the Panthers fans are so obnoxious. They, and the whole have- like, I own a percentage of the team, even though it's just a scam. Oh, yeah. hate your it. Money, your money gets pissed into the wind. And you literally just don't know about it. But yeah. let me say this about the Packers fan base. 90% of them aren't from Wisconsin, number one. Number two, eh. I, I texted you guys this. Okay, let me put 90% of them. Sure, Packers have – I like the people – Packers are good fans, though. Like, they're very tired. They like their team. I, Fuck I that. hate the Packers. That's where I'm with Rabs. How about this? How about this, Collins? I think you'll agree. 90% of the Packers fans at Ford Field – are not from are not from Wisconsin. I I would agree, there, but there's also like a UP presence for the Packers. Yeah, I I there I, is I, there I is most yeah there is you're absolutely team. right you're absolutely just yeah but you know what I also respect people like our good friend Hank Menegos who's a who's a Vikings fan Vikings fan from the UP so they exist all over. My thing with the Bears fan base is they're just dude the the eighty five Bears are a legendary team. I get it. The Bears are a losing franchise. Like they, no, they, I think they, they know that too, though. I don't think Bears fans are that annoying, to be honest. I know, okay, I just know a few that annoy me. But anyways, I guess there's there's really no debate to be had there. It's Packers unanimous. But I just wanted your thoughts. Um, all right, question number two. In spirit of Rabs heading out to Wrigley Field, what is the best MLB ballpark? You had to pick one, and you 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 don't necessarily have to have been there, but just pick one. Uh, ooh, I think Coors is really sick. Like, I would really like to go to Coors Field eventually. Like, it just looks cool. I've on seen TV. the outside of it. Yeah, it's sick. But um, uh, eh. everyone says PNC in Pittsburgh is, like, the best park. In, I love it. Like, of, the, of the new ones. That was going to be just my say Fenway because Fenway just – I've never been there. I've always wanted to be – wanted to go there. Ever since MLB 2005 with Manny Ramirez on the cover, I've always wanted to go to Fenway Park. So, Fenway. And you also love Fever Pitch. Ironically, I do love Fever Pitch. I say it every yeah. pod. Ironically, Sorry, before, before Rabs goes, Collins, I guess it's just a freak thing. I have actually been to PNC and Fenway. Um, Fenway was cool just because it's Fenway. It's like Rabs talked about Wrigley. It's like a thing you do. You just go to a Red Sox game and just hang out. There's so, bars everywhere, too, around it, right? Bars everywhere. And as a visiting yeah. fan, I mean, dude, the Boston fan base, I mean, I, I always call Boston like America's asshole. Like, it just – it, 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 it's just like the, some of the most derogatory words you'll ever hear is in Boston. Love that. But it was still fun being, being the visiting fan at when you're, when your team is a wagon, like the 2012 Tigers were. So Rabs go for it. What's your favorite or, or the best, what is the best MLB part? I would, I, I also really, really want to go to Fenway. I don't know how it would compare to Wrigley. I love Wrigley. So, cause that's just like, I'm a baseball purist. I absolutely love Wrigley. Wow. Even like I love the buzz at Wrigley too. Um, 
because you like go downtown and you know you have bars around it too and not that you don't in detroit but it's like it's like a different vibe almost in if you if you go to a game at wrigley like the whole even if you're not going to the game the whole town's like out and you're all everyone's at least downtown like drinking which is awesome so i love wrigley i would say the best bush stadium in st louis looks unbelievable my uncle's been to a game there he said it's he said it's incredible so i would say i would say bush stadium um Coors is a good one pnc too so i would say pnc or or bush stadium even like the padres i know it's not petco park anymore i don't know what it really is right now but um that would be a cool one to see too the weather plays a big part yeah i went to the only places i've ever been to is comerica tiger stadium which doesn't really count because i was a baby but um and then Miller Park in Milwaukee, that was cool. The whole like retractable roof thing is like kind of trippy though to me. Like looking at a retractable roof, it just like scares me. Like I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like I've like, but Milwaukee was pretty cool. But other than that, I haven't really been to man- that many parks. All right. Well, maybe that's something we got to get on. All right. Yeah. Final question here: Do you watch YouTube objectively? Like, like yeah. do you? Are you one of those guys who just like, oh, I want to see something like Rab's brought up. Oh, I can't believe Mickey, Miggy struck out looking in 2012. So I looked that up and I watched on YouTube. Are you that guy or are you like, you have YouTubers who you watch? Dude, I have, no, I don't watch YouTubers. I'm not like, oh, I'm watching like that kid from state, that MMG kid who does all the Madden stuff. Like, I'm not watching that guy, but I will like every once in a while, I get a few pops in me. I would do this a lot at school. A lot when I was at Michigan State with my buddies. Throw on the YouTube, like, okay, let's watch a 2009 one shiny moment. Like, I I love like watching old sports highlights on YouTube, but I'll never like go and be like, ooh, I want to follow this guy or whatever on YouTube. But I love going on YouTube and like, ooh, let's watch the 2000 PGA Championship with Tiger and Bob May and Tiger just like going chasing the ball. And I'm like fist pumping for some reason, even though it happened 21 years ago. So yeah, I watch YouTube. Collins, to that point, that's a that's I saw you liked a tweet. I liked the same tweet today that dudes can just sit around and name old uh, like oh my buddy uh, sent that to me and just that's literally all I do. yeah like you you can have the time of your life and sit around for hours and just say Chet Lemon. I literally I think I've had like three hour conversations about Elvin Ellis and how much yeah, I loved and, him and, and he like, was like the eighth man on Michigan State. You know that guy for me is Louis Delmas. I love I love talking about Louis Delmas every now and then. Almost that guy was gla- Louis Delmas was legit glass, and I think he might have been the fastest human being ever played in the NFL, is or it, at least he his, looked like he was Lewis? the fastest human being ever. Is it not in the NFL. Louis Delmas? Well, yeah, it is Louis Six. It's Louis Delmas. I call him Louis. Louis, like, Western right? Michigan product. Yeah, can't really get behind that. Fire up, but Rabs, Rabs. What what do you uh, what do you think? Do you watch YouTube? I mean, when I was a kid, I used to have YouTubers that I would subscribe to and watch every week. Like that was the thing. It was like, oh yeah, so and so. Well, so and no, I mean, like for me, I'm saying, like so and so's got a new video coming out. I gotta go home and watch it. Like that was big. Now it's like, yeah, I just I'm one of those guys that I like to read before bed, but I can't help myself from like laying in bed watching YouTube videos for like an hour, and I just fall asleep at like two sometimes. I get sucked. I get down a lot of YouTube rabbit holes, but yeah, Yeah. I'm like Collins too, in the sense where 
if you're with the boys and you're getting like tuned up and you're about to go out to the bar, all of a sudden you hear the TV turn on and I got like the, I got like the Pistons 05 championship intro on like before everyone goes out. Like there's just, there's, and like just watching old sports clips and stuff too. Like I love watching videos like injuries and stuff. Like, okay. I'm not in that. That's <laughs> my buddy. Joey is the biggest. Kid. I would used to come out of my room and it's just like, greatest nhl injuries i'm like joey get this off the tv i don't know why it's appealing but it is no but what's it called the one guy who does all the msc ones that andy hrmcb whatever that guy is that guy is the joe that guy is the joe what a king that guy is yep he's a king i love that guy but my buddy my buddy that you got talking about that tweet he just he texted me the tweet and i was like yeah dude all day long I, i have text threads of miles of just like no words other than just names going back and forth. He just texted me Corey Emerton from the Wings. Good name like, right there. Like that's that's what I mean. It's just it's awesome. I love Patrick Corey, Eves. But... Yep. All it's right, good... that's that's all I got. To the Thanks face. Remember when he got hit in the face with that puck? Yeah, that was tough. Brutal. Okay, sorry. All right, well, good show today, guys. That's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. New episodes every single week. See you next time.